So happy Pentecost, everyone. And I am wondering if you could describe the Holy Spirit in one word, what would it be? Just call out one word. Loving? Loving? I miss, I have to yell really loud. Awesome. What'd you say? Awesome. Awesome. Ooh, I like that. Comforter. Comforter. Okay. Powerful. Joy? What'd you say, Mona? Love? Okay. All right. There's lots of different... Can you know how to say it in French? No? Do you? No? Okay. <laughs> Did I hear one other one up here? Guide. Yeah, great. Interesting. There's lots of different ways to think about it. And what Carolyn's going to read us is what Jesus has to say about the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is, in his, is at the Last Supper with his disciples, and knowing that he's soon going to leave them, he's preparing them for life after he leaves. And in so doing, he makes them an amazing promise. So Carolyn, if you would read that. Okay, this is John 14, verses 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is a spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. She did read from chapter 14. That was correct. It was wrong in the bulletin. So thank you. And I will ask my Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. Jesus describes the spirit as an advocate. Now, if you opened your pew Bibles and you followed along with that and you noticed there, what you would notice there's a little tiny letter there that makes you go down and look at a footnote and that footnote would say, sometimes the word advocate is translated as helper. And then if you went and picked up another Bible, you might find it in another way. The King James Bible, for example, uses comforter. And the New International Version says counselor. So it's a bit confusing, especially when you consider that none of these words really fits the image of the spirit that we see in Acts 2, a dramatic image of power that shakes things up and sets the disciple on fire, so to speak. So I went back and looked at the word, the original Greek word, which is in those two verses that Carolyn read. And the word is parakletos, or paraclete. Now, Jesus didn't tell his disciples he was sending them a pet bird or a pair of sports shoes. We're not talking about a parakeet or a pair of cleats. The word is paraclete, and if you want to see it, it's in your bulletin. Okay, it's the sermon title. Paraclete is one of those Greek words that is difficult to translate, hence the variety of words that are used in our Bibles. But what paraclete literally means is this, one who is called aside, alongside. The Spirit is called to be alongside the disciples and by extension, alongside each one of us. 
That implies that the spirit is not just a disembodied force, but someone who is in relationship with us, who has been sent to be with us, and who has our best interests in mind. And I really like that. One who is called alongside. That could indeed be an advocate, one who takes our side, who has our back, and who never gives up on us no matter what. I want you to think about that for a minute. We, you, have an advocate in the Holy Spirit. You have an advocate. And you and I, we also have a helper who supports and comes to our aid, a comforter who consoles and encourages us, and a counselor who offers wisdom and guidance. All of those aspects are wrapped up in that name of paraclete. And did you notice? Jesus says that he will ask the Father to send another advocate, another paraclete, which implies that Jesus considered himself to be one called alongside, and indeed he was. The Word made flesh, sent by God who loved the world to redeem humankind. Jesus himself was our paraclete. What a promise he gives the disciples that they will not be alone, that they will never be alone because through the paraclete, they will continue to experience the living presence of Christ. Now, I don't want you to get the wrong idea here. Though he knows, though Jesus knows the disciples will feel abandoned and frightened and not know what to do after his death, Jesus doesn't just send the Spirit to make them feel better. In chapter 15, he also describes the paraclete as the spirit of truth who will testify on my behalf. And then he goes on to say, you also are to testify because you have been with me since the beginning. After Jesus' resurrection, the disciples will have work to do and it will require much of them for the testimony that they have to share is a message of radical love. Not only would they need to remember all that Jesus had told them, but they will need to demonstrate it in their lives, sometimes under extremely adverse conditions. Jesus knew his disciples well. He knew that it would be tempting for them to call it quits in the face of adversity and opposition. He knew that it was possible for them to fall into despair when things were not going well. And he knew that they were likely to be paralyzed by fear or just plain inertia. He knew that they would need guidance and courage and yes, power beyond themselves to bring the message of God's love and mercy to the world. So do we. Now that same message is ours to share. And we, both as individuals and as the church, are called to testify and to direct, demonstrate the way of Christ in our lives. Like the disciples before, it, before us, sometimes that means being loving and generous and kind when we feel overwhelmed or inadequate. Sometimes it means standing up for what is right even though it will likely get us into trouble. Sometimes it means staying the course even though we don't see how we can possibly manage. And always, always it means speaking and acting 
in love. Theologian David Lose points out that Jesus didn't tell us to build churches, maintain our buildings, and keep the institution going. All those things are part of the church, but Jesus said, he writes, go out and make disciples. And when you care for the least, you are caring for me and love one another as I have loved you. And this kind of work, he goes on, is inherently disruptive, difficult, and at times even dangerous. And so Jesus sends the paraclete, the one who comes alongside us to encourage, equip, strengthen, provoke, and yes, at times to comfort us so that we can get out there and do it all over again. The message of love is ours. And thank God, so is the promise. We are not alone. We are never alone. We may not hear that wild wind of Pentecost that the kids were having fun portraying this morning, but it is still blowing, still nudging, prompting, stirring, and sometimes pushing us to share the good news that we have received in Christ. Though tongues of flame are not resting on our heads, the Spirit still seeks to fire us up with the desire to make a difference in the lives of others, to transform the world. We may not have known Jesus in the flesh, but the paraclete that he sent still comes alongside us to inspire, encourage, and empower us to live in such a way that others will understand and experience God's language of love. Jesus Christ has given us his promise, a promise that we can trust. We are not alone. Even when our lives seem to be falling apart, even when the church seems half empty, even when the world seems to be going crazy, we are not alone. We will never be alone. For the paraclete, our advocate, helper, comforter, counselor, the one who comes alongside us is with us and for us and never ever gives up on us. I want you to remember that when you leave this place today, to remember that there is someone with you who will help you when you are struggling and when you are facing adversity and when you know you need to help someone but you're just not sure how or you really don't want to. The Spirit is there with you, with us. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God.